On this edition of Come Receive the Light, our guest will share his passion for a unity of action within the body of Christ to accomplish and meet a specific need. One of the things that I have been involved in and hoped for and worked towards for the last eight years at IJM is trying to get the church to come together on standing up for the poor and the oppressed in their countries. So when God's Spirit touches the hearts and minds of His people, I think there is no stopping the church. What we are trying to do with the church around the world is actually doable, uh, that God's Spirit will make it happen for it. Abraham, better known as Abby George, serves as the IJM's Global Director for Church Partnerships. In this capacity, he leads IJM's effort to build strong partnerships with global denominations and church networks to move them to seek justice. Prior to joining IJM eight years ago, Abby was a pastor and a theology lecturer in India. After immigrating to the United States in 2002, he conducted policy research for a think tank in Washington, D.C., and managed the U.S. office of Oxford-based International Fellowship of Evangelical Missions Theologians. He received a Master of Divinity from the Southern Asia Bible College in Bangalore, India, and a Master of Theology in Historical Theology, Trinity Theological College in Singapore. He is currently pursuing his doctoral studies through the Oxford Center for Mission Studies in Oxford, England. Abby, it's a pleasure to have you on Come Receive the Light today. Tell us about, because people I know are going to ask me, what is IJM? Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on, on your program. Um, the International Justice Mission, or IJM, is uh, the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world um, in the fight to end slavery and, and human trafficking. You see, when most people think of slavery, they think of it as a past uh, thing. Um, but there are actually more slaves today than ever before in human history, including you know, sex trafficking and labor trafficking and all kinds of other forms of violence against I mean, the that's, poor. That's phenomenal. Most people will go back and they'll think of slavery. They think of the African, African-American issues of bringing people over from Africa. But you're saying it's even larger than that today? That is right. That is right. There are uh, a lot more slaves today than all of transatlantic slavery actually put together. Now, IJM has a very precise model to address the so-called breaches of justice. Um, can you tell us more about it, and how does it actually play out on the field? So we rescue individuals, and uh, we transform systems of uh, public justice systems. Uh, so think about it in, in, in two buckets. So on the one hand, we rescue victims. So we rescue um, w working with local police to rescue victims from ongoing violence and bring them to safety. We restore them. We work with social workers to restore survivors to their community through counseling and education and skills training. And then we restrain uh, working with the police, criminals and traffickers and slave owners uh, from continuing to perpetuate this abuse. And we represent um, these survivors working with the public prosecutors in court uh, to bring um, justice. So that's on the one hand, rescuing victims. But what we are also doing is, on the other hand, we are trying to repair systems of, uh, of justice in these countries. So we've worked with these systems for years and years, doing all of these cases, 
The idea behind that is to understand the flaws and the kinks in the system in that particular country. And we work with the police and the prosecutors and judges, uh, providing them tools they need and lobbying and advocating, um, helping them with even things like office supplies for their DNA tests, for instance, just to build the systems of justice so that at the end of the day, there are a lot more people who benefit from that uh, better functioning um, justice system. Uh, we do training of uh, police and uh, prosecutors. We are very um, involved in uh, holding uh, perpetrators uh, of, of corruption and um, abuse and all of that to account. Um, but and in all of that, I think the bottom line for us is to demonstrate a certain amount of hope that one, the authorities will change and become better functioning, and two, there is hope for the millions of people around the world who are languishing, really, in abuse and oppression of all kinds. Let me ask you something, Abby. How many people are we talking about? Is there a way to estimate the number of people that are enslaved worldwide at this point? I think so. I think there are uh, different numbers, of course, that are available, but the numbers that we are looking at give us around about 40 million uh, slaves around the world. Do you find in your work, and, and please forgive me if I probe a little bit, but I want to do sure. this so that our, our listeners will understand, do you find cooperation from governments and police? Because from what I've read and learned, uh, there are some governments and officers who are actually complicit in this because they're gaining money from it. Um, yes and no, Chris, quite honestly. Um, oh, is that okay to call you Chris, by the way? Yeah, that's fine. I was Chris before I was Father Chris, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think it is, it is, it is uh, yes and no is the answer. Um, there is endemic corruption and all of that quite um, obviously, um, as we all know. But our experience has also been that there is within every system, in every, diff every country that we work in, there is a number of people in every aspect of the government system who are very keen on actually making a difference. And so our success over the years has been uh, from the fact that we have been able to bring together and mobilize uh, such people of goodwill, uh, whether it's in the judiciary or in the law enforcement and things like that. So answer is yes and no, but uh, yes is what we uh, seem to be finding a lot of. Very good. Let's talk for a minute about your, your role as a director of the International Church Mobilization, as a, as a Christian witness facilitating interfacing between church and community. I mean, that, that has to be a very profound position. Few organizations recognize the importance of faith in defending the rights of those who are marginalized. Uh, one of our functions is to connect the church leaders to the biblical work of justice. Uh, can you explain how this actually works? Because there might be people listening and they're saying, yeah, this sounds a little bit too big for me. Yeah, no, no, I think, that's a, I think that would be a very fair response too because that is what uh, you immediately um, sense, because it is such a big issue. But the fact of the matter is that we as Christians cannot um, ignore the fact that the mandate of the Scriptures to do justice is uh, a mandate that we have all been given. And so that's, on the one hand, uh, an irrefutable fact. On the other hand, I think is also the recognition that the church today around the world uh, 
is actually a critical force. And so even in countries, I might add, where the Christianity is a, a very small uh, percentage of the population. So the church has an important role to play in the civil society in general. And then when you couple that with the fact that God has mandated his followers, his disciples, um, to actually seek justice, then it becomes absolutely imperative that the church does that. Now, there are different ways of doing that on the, on the ground level, if you will, um, on the parish level or the congregational level, there are a number of things that need to happen. There needs to be an awareness that needs to be created in that congregation, both about the extent of the abuse and violence uh, and also about what the Bible actually requires us to do. There has to be then uh, an increasing uh, level of conversation that needs to happen in the sort of the Christian thought leadership or, or the theology. Our theology needs to be better informed by that and better formed by that new understanding. Uh, and once those things are done, um, then what my experience has been is that churches then begin to rally towards this cause and then truly become the lighthouse in their, in their uh, communities. On the other hand, on a, on a little more sort of grass tops level, if you will, on the denominational level, uh, there is need for a denominational direction and a denominational level conversation to begin to happen so that the entire group of churches, whether it's in a country or a geographical region, then begins to sort of veer towards this particular direction. So the idea really is to help the church understand that we can no longer be ignorant about it or apathetic to it, but that we are implored on and, and directed by God's Word to actually stand up for the poor and the persecuted. And that's the key. I mean, it's, it's not, this is obviously 40 million people. Uh, yeah. This is not a passing fad that we can wait for. This is something that has to be acted upon. Um, let's talk about your observations of really a transformational nature of a ministry that defends civil liberties of people in yeah. countries where the defense systems are usually weak. Mm -hmm. Several examples uh, come to mind. Um, I've, I've, I was recently uh, talking to a colleague of mine in Mumbai, in India, and so um, a story from Mumbai comes to mind immediately of how transformational uh, this, this ministry is to the church itself, if I understand your question correctly, Chris. So a pastor, a friend of ours, uh, he was leading a, a congregation in Mumbai, uh, went with the IJM team on a police rescue um, a few years back. And uh, as the rescue was progressing, as the rescue was happening, one of the vi uh, victims that was res rescued from that brothel was a nine-year-old girl who had been in that brothel for about two years prior to that. And uh, that alone was a very moving experience for him. Uh, but the rescue happened. They all go on to a processing center where there are police and counselors and therapists and um, IGM teams and all of that. And everybody is doing their bit. They're doing their medical checkup and um, people are asking questions, gathering information and all of that. And this nine-year-old girl calls or points to this particular pastor. His name is Rodriguez and uh, points to him and says, I want to talk to that um, uncle. Of course, in India, everybody is an uncle or an auntie, right? So Rodriguez, Pastor Rodriguez, comes towards her and 
she tells him that, Uncle, you know what? My last name is also Rodriguez. And uh, Pastor Rodriguez says his life and his ministry just completely changed. What he did was he came back, he started getting all of his associates and all of his um, other churches in the community starting to, to get involved with, uh, with IJM as volunteers and all of that. Today, after five years or so of, of that sort of journey, Rodriguez and his denomination in Mumbai have invested several million dollars that have raised over the years uh, from India and from the U.S. and U.K. and all of that and have now become operators of a, of a children's home that is state-of-the-art and uh, dedicated towards the survivors of uh, trafficking um, and their children and their families and things like that. Point I'm making is that that ministry um, of Pastor Rodriguez completely, completely changed. It was a 180-degree change where before that he, they were apathetic because they're in the middle of poverty and abuse of all kinds, so there is a bit of indifference that and invisibility that is created. Uh, but today, as a part of his journey on this new course, they have now become uh, established, firmly, firmly rooted uh, on this cause. So the ministry that we have been on is, in that sense, uh, transformational beyond our, our, our wildest imaginations, actually. And it's, it's been God's grace and mercy. Abby, for the last question, let's ask you this. Are there instances and or events that have particularly stood out to you that have affected your own faith? And what did you take away from some of these events? There is. One of the, one of the things, Chris, that I have uh, been involved in and hoped for and worked towards for the last eight years at IJM is trying to get the church to come together on standing up for the poor and the oppressed in their countries. One of the things that completely um, blew me away, really, was to see the church in Philippines about three years back come together across denominations, across ecclesiastical bodies, and join hands and become sort of one force in becoming the voice against uh, oppression and abuse. So the Philippines Council of Evangelical Churches, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of the Philippines, the National Council of Churches in the Philippines, a number of lay organizations uh, and churches all came together about three, three and a half years ago and formed a new entity by themselves called the Philippines Interfaith Movement Against Human Trafficking. And the idea was that this issue that you are fighting here in the Philippines is an issue that cannot be left to the NGOs or international organizations to come and fight, but this has to be something that we as a church must take up because this is our community, this is our country, these are our people, and God has asked us, has mandated us to stand up for these people. And so... They have been running full throttle for the last three years, this new entity. And that is one of the examples I can think of where it just has become a morale booster or a faith booster for me personally in my effort to bring the church on this course. So when God's Spirit 
touches the hearts and minds of his people, I think there is no stopping the church. Uh, that, to me, uh, Chris, has been uh, one of those experiences that has stood out to me and continues to actually fuel me uh, in, in many ways, that this is what, I'm, what we are trying to do with the church around the world is actually doable, uh, that God's Spirit will make it happen for it. Very good. Abby, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and uh, for doing Christ's work on this earth. You know, I know you have IJM, uh, International Justice Mission, but I would say instead of International Justice Mission, I would say invite the jewels of God that matter for God's world. Oh, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Abby. God be with you, sir. Thank you. I see the world your way. I'm not afraid to follow I see the world your way And I'm not ashamed to say so I see the Jesus way And I'm walking in the light